This episode of Comics Monthly Monday is dedicated to the memory of comics legend Joe Cooper. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. These freaks are dedicated, hard-working people. I'm Batman. Whosoever holds this hammer, if it be worthy, shall possess the power of thought. This looks like a job for Superman. Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, and Chris Honeywell. Welcome to Comics Monthly Monday, number uh, 43. I am Scott Gardner, and I'm joined by my buddies, Mike Bailey. Hello. And Chris Honeywell. <laughs> really? How's it going, gentlemen? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going great. We're talking comics. How can it not be great? Comic books. I like comic books. It tastes good. I took a bath in comic books today. <laughs> it turned into soup. <laughs> so what's I everybody got? I'm sorry, what, Mike? I said I feel funny. <laughs> you look funny. You're not the first person to say that. <laughs> today. Today. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'm excited for the world of comics, you know? I feel like comics are, 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 are having a, a bit of a renaissance, a bit of a resurgence. You know, recently we had a, a string of awesome comic book movies and, and just all this great stuff happens in comics. And now we're actually going to have a comics personality in the White House. Uh. I loved Paul Ryan on Fantastic Four. I'm really excited <laughs> about this. How do you guys feel? <laughs> yeah, that's actually the first thing I thought. It's like Paul Ryan announced his Mitt Romney's running mate. I'm like, I didn't know he was into politics. Okay, it's, that's awesome. It's, they're too bad he looks more like the... Robin from the old uh, Batman <laughs> TV show. Yeah, if you mixed him with like Mr. Bean, <laughs> <laughs> it's how oh, now be nice. I was I funny. I think his uh, I think his real name is political suicide, but uh, I'm not quite sure about that. So well, there's there's another there's another politician whose name is Joe Walsh, and he's and you know I was Joe Walsh for Congress. Joe and and it's the same name as a guitar player for the Eagles. <laughs> right. So I want to go to like his campaign things and be like, woo, play Hotel California, <laughs> 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 guitar at him, you know. 
because he's a totally straight lace. You know, he's the, the the total like hair. You know, politician. There's no way this guy's played a guitar solo in his life. You know, that would but be don't awesome. you hate that though? When 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 your mind plays those little tricks on you, you know, and, and plays those little associations that for half a second you're like, ooh. Because I know, like, <laughs> it used to be on a on a cable system when I lived in uh, when I lived in Georgia, and there was this show that would come on all the time, and it was the the James Robinson show. And every time <laughs> I'd see the damn thing, I thought it says that said the James Robinson show, and I thought, ooh, what's that about? You know, and I was like, oh yeah, that's that other guy. And then like you know, like hunting for books, like like old paperbacks and stuff at, at Salvation Army or goodwill or something i would always see the bantam books and just for just a split second i thought it said batman books you know and it was like oh, nice. oh that, that, that'd, be like when I, that'd be like when i was a kid and you'd be looking through like the tv guide and back to batan yes would be yes. on and every time it was like oh damn it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know yeah yeah that really did happen to me you're right so. uh, i hate that <laughs> So what yeah, I think that's all the mileage we can get out of that one. So yeah, that's about that's about <laughs> that's as political cool. as we should ever get. Yeah. Oh yes, that is as political <laughs> as we should ever get. I completely <laughs> agree. I think I think the, I think the podcast would be on fire. I don't know how a digital file can catch on fire, but I think it would happen if we all ever really started talking about politics. Um, I've got some fun stuff to talk about. Uh, since the last time we all got together. Uh, there was a comic show. One of the one-day Atlanta comic conventions came through. And uh, this, was a, this was an interesting one. It had a bunch of new dealers. And all of these new dealers have gotten in their heads that maybe they should be like the guy that has the $2 books. Because there were a lot more like cheap books bins instead of the people. I mean, you still had like the collection of people that had like all the really overpriced books. And then you would compare how overpriced one would be to the other. And then there's the guy in the corner selling the Star Wars toys for, like, you know, your left kidney. I remember Scott being very depressed by him uh, just because all of his stuff was just so damn expensive. Mm -hmm. But um, I managed to clean up rather well for the little bit of money I I had to spend. Uh, I found... In the $2 box, because there's there, when you first walk into the room, the ballroom, there's a guy there um, that named Earl that just has, like, you know, 15 tables, like, right off. And he used to have a $5 section and a $2 section. Well, he kind of switched things up this time. He had a $10 section and a $2 section, which kind of irked me at first because I had been had in my mind that I was going to go there and get some stuff for five bucks. But luckily a lot of the stuff that was $5 got somehow moved to the $2 bin. So I was able to get all five issues of the Legion of superheroes index for $2 a piece. Oh, wow. Um, and they were just there. And I found issues seven and eight of the justice league index that I didn't even know existed. Cause I thought that thing went up to six and that was it. But there was seven and eight. And I managed to, between that booth and another booth, whittle my, for lack of a better term, anthology run of World's Finest from the 70s and early 80s when it had like Green Arrow and Captain Marvel and all that stuff into it. I managed to whittle down my want list of that to one book. I need one issue and I have the whole run of that. 
Uh, and there were, and most of that I actually got from a guy for a dollar a piece. Can you believe that? Oh, I hate you so much right now. <laughs> yeah, but it, it just shocked me because usually those world's finest books are like, you're going to pay $5 of the, right. for this if you really, really yeah. want it. And it's just like, no, $1, $1. The dollar is the perfect price on that stuff, too, because most, at least the ones that I want of those, it's because I want, you know, one of the backups, like the Shazam mm-hmm. stuff that's in there. Most of the, the primary stories in that kind of suck. Most. But the flip side to his dollar deals was the fact that he had a bunch of blue ribbons digests for 10 bucks a piece yikes so yeah so it was a fun it was a fun show got to hang out with garrett got to hang out with rudy uh got to meet john wesley ship again and get an uh, an autograph for our friend andy uh just because i wanted to get that for his birthday um and he seems to have appreciated it so that was nice even though his wife keeps saying that i got mitch leary's autograph from um from Dawson's Creek. (laughs) But that was really cool. And that was pretty much, Oh yes. (laughs) I think it was, uh, the, on a past back to the bins, uh, Paul Scott and I were talking about, uh, Scott was talking how if his comic collection gets out of whack, he drives him nuts and he has to reorganize it. And I was complaining that all of my books are in a shit state right now and like all over the place. I am very happy to announce that all of my DC books are in order. All 80 <laughs> short boxes of them. Oh, Jesus. It wow. took several days and a family emergency to give me the time to do it, unfortunately. <laughs> I kind of feel bad about that. But uh, no, my wife's father had to... Uh, go into the hospital very minor he's he's fine now he's out and everything's okay but i was like home alone a lot and uh you know i guess i should be looking at porn but no i'm reorganizing comics almost the same thing so all of my dc books are in order and i say in order as i say my order which would drive scott crazy because he's all about the alphabetical yeah strictly alphabetical yeah but when I want to read all my Batman books, I don't want to have to go through 16 different boxes. I want them all to be together. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I, You guys want to hear annoying. I do partially. I, it depends on what it is. But I'm partially alphabetical, partially. So, some of it's alphabetical by title. Some of it's alphabetical by artist or, you know, whoever yeah, the artist or, you know, whoever the main creator is on the book so like i have a whole section of rick veitch in my v section of you know all my rick veitch comics are in there and i use that i'll put it in by author if it's somebody i have a lot of like r crumb so if i want to read look through my r crumb i don't have to you know he literally has abc comics and he has zap comics so I'd have to go to each end of my collection to, to you know, if I feel like going through my R. Crumb stuff. So I have them partially by that. And then I have my undergrounds on the bottom level and my above grounds on the top level of my piles of long boxes. So I, I have a whole screwy method that's only... That only, only makes I sense understand. To you. Yeah, that's basically anybody else going through my comics are just going to be like, okay, whatever. <laughs> but I don't care. Nobody else does that. Nobody else goes through them but me. So 
that's why it's like that. And I imagine it's the same with both of you. I can't imagine too many people are going through Scott's comic collection. Uh, no, negative. Without getting their heads put in a fish tank. There you go. <laughs> yep, not unless you want to lose hands. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just picture yeah. Scott has like a room where, like, it's a series of rooms. Where in the first room they give you the Karen Silkwood shower. Right, <laughs> right. They sort of give you a little mist of of something that kills all the surface bacteria, and then they give you a little little stronger scrub down in the second sub room. And then in the third sub room, it's like you know you got <laughs> you know Clancy Brown from Shawshank Redemption throwing that lie shit on you. Exactly. You're buck naked, they're dumping lie on you, and then the rednecks from First Blood come out and give you the hose. And then they and then he gives you like the suit, like the, the, the no static suit, like we're like putting together computer parts or something. And then he's got the armed guard in there. And and sets of tongs. Don't forget you you're, you're <laughs> gonna be using tongs for everything. So <laughs> but that's just how it plays out in my head. It's you're not, you're not far off. I was just gonna say you're in the you're in the ballpark for you're, sure. Yeah, you're in the vicinity. <laughs> well, I don't really have a whole lot for uh, for preamble on this. I, I haven't really been picking up any new comics or anything. Been kind of trying to save my pennies. But uh, I did receive something truly awesome in the mail recently. You know, not long ago. Well, it's about a month ago now. Uh, I uh, had the opportunity to get to be- together with our buddy Shag uh, for one evening, and uh, he showed me this book that he happened to be reading at the time. And I think at the time he was only about halfway through it or what, and was telling me a little bit about it. And it sounded really interesting. And I was flipping through, and the art was really beautiful and everything. And I should have suspected that something sneaky was up. Because not long after uh, that night, he sent me, uh, in the mail, he sent me that very book. And uh, I was just like, wow, this is totally awesome. So uh, it was uh, DC Universe Legacies. It's the uh, the trade paperback for the entire series. And uh, right now I'm about halfway through it, and I'm loving it. I think it's really, really good. And uh, so I just wanted to, to shout Shag out, thank you very much for that. I think it's uh, that was very generous of you. It was very nice. It's an expensive little uh, trade paperback, but uh, I'm digging it a lot. So uh, I know Mike, uh, you had said that you have a copy of that, and we were talking mm-hmm. uh, offline, you know, about uh, uh, both reading it and then uh, maybe doing a show to compare notes on it sometime. But uh, I think you'll enjoy it a lot. I, I know I'm seriously digging it. It's it's kind of to uh to you know 90s dc that i was really looking for and uh that i think that's the reason i'm really enjoying it because that's kind of what it feels like it feels like a letter to you know the the last incarnation of dc that i that i was enjoying you know which was a, a story we just didn't get with things like you know uh infinite crisis and stuff like that so uh that that's kind of what i'm getting out of it so far and uh it's a really good series and uh, we got a uh, – I'm trying to remember where I got this. I, don't, I can't remember if it was Facebook or email or what, but I got a note from uh, David Dixon who listened to the uh, commentary that you and I did back uh, for Independence Day for uh, Captain America First Avenger. Mm-hmm. And remember we were talking about there was that rumor that, uh, that the young black guy who was a member of the uh, Howling Commandos might have been a young Nick Fury. 
Mm-hmm. And he says that the name of that guy uh, is actually Gabe Jones is the character and I sh- that he's should have playing known that too. And that's what kind of pissed me off is that I should have known that because I'm familiar with that name. Mm-hmm. And now I really want to remember who told me that it was Nick Fury and I want to punch him in the Tic Tacs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, who the hell is Gabe Jones? He was he was the black member of the uh, All okay. Commandos. All right. There's not much more to it than that, unfortunately. He's, I mean, Fred, name... and, he's Fred and Amanda Jones's kid. Don't you remember? <laughs> I mean, the name sounds familiar, but I couldn't remember if it was familiar to me from like some obscure comic book thing, or if it was like the name of some TV talk show host or something. You know, or I had... some guy you worked with that is yeah. <laughs> in retail. You know, years oh, yeah, ago. Gabe Jones. You know, yeah, he used to be the stock boy. Yeah, I yeah. He, he ate everybody's lunch in the break room, and we kicked the <laughs> shit out of him one day. He, he really had it coming too. Oh yeah, that's right. We stuffed him in the baler, and I forgot about that. I just used to put LSD in my sandwiches in those situations. And... <laughs> you do that anyway, though. I know. So either way, if I get my sandwich, then hey, lunch hour is like lunch five hours. <laughs> and if I don't get my sandwich, then I get to find out who the culprit is real quick because they're the one who's like flying around like a butterfly. <laughs> Rat poison works. Snozberries taste like snozberries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we got? Um. Well, yeah, I I only got. I've only got one comic this week. I haven't gone to the... I've been meaning to go to the comic store because I'm thinking it's about time for Walking Dead 101 to be out. So uh, that's pretty much the only comic I'm looking to get, except there's a Peter Bag comic called... Um, oh, now I can't remember the name the name of the new Peter Bag comic, and it has one more issue. It's a four-issue miniseries. But I was at a estate sale... And I picked up. Technically, it's a comic. It's in the over. It's a it's a magazine, but Mad Magazine number two hundred three. Um, Ooh, there, there were a whole stack of them there, and they were from probably like around sixty four, up into the late seventies, early eighties, and they were all they were all in great shape, but they were all three bucks a piece, and you know so. There's really no resale value on them, and I've got a shitload of Mads that I couldn't remember which ones I had, and and I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna get one. So I picked out uh, December 1978 issue. It's the Mad Star Wars musical issue, Ooh. and it's funny because remember how we we're getting prepared for our Star Wars celebration, and um, so we're picking out pictures for our panel from marvel star wars and scott said make sure you get the the picture of the dancing r2 from issue number one and this one features right in the cover a dancing pretty much the same dancing (laughs) r2 except it's alfred e newman you know popping up out of the body lifting up his the top of his you know his dome like a hat so that's that's pretty funny, and it also prominently features like the bo- something you don't see very often, the bottom of Chewbacca's foot. <laughs> but um, oh, it's you know, and it's a classic Mad magazine. It has, you know, uh, every uh, classic seventies. You know, it has the you know Dave Berg series of strips. You know, and uh, one of my favorite Don Martin of all time. 
which is the old lady who comes up to the, it looks like a Coke machine. It says, get rid of ugly wrinkles for 50 cents. And she puts the 50 cents in, and it's basically a giant iron, and it just squashes her flat. <laughs> so classic. And my fold-in has never been folded in. Miracle of miracles. That almost never happens in a yeah on a Mad Magazine. But so now I have, I've got a couple more. I don't have any of like, you know, past the 80s, you know, when, it, you know, in the modern, from the 90s on, like when they would do the the Star Wars re-releases and the, the, the prequels. But I've got a pretty good chunk of all the Mad Magazines that featured Star Wars prominently in them. And I always love... You know, I love Mort Drucker's art. You know, so it's it's great to see him draw the Star Wars characters. It's always, it's hilarious. I love how he draws Harrison Ford. He makes Harrison Ford's chin look like a, you know, like it juts five feet out. Right. And and you know, there's always in in crowd scenes. There's always you know, you can you're gonna find like a football player. In this one, like the Jawa that comes to sell them the droids. You know pulls his hood down and it's Fred Flintstone underneath it. And I remember okay, I remember that. And it's got it's got like the you know, the the bar scene, you got Kirk and Spock walking around right. in the background, you know. Yeah. And I do remember that one. I remember that one. I remember the one uh, that Cracked magazine did was pretty good too. Mm-hmm. They whoever they had who was their movie caricaturist was really good. And then in the back I believe it's Mort is it Mort Drucker again? It's a fantasy byland. No, the art is Angelo Torres, which is very similar to Mort Drucker. He does very good caricatures, and this is like, you know, a fantasy island um, rip, which is funny because now that I'm looking at it, so many of these people are dead. There's one <laughs> frame that's got Mr. Rourke tattoo and Farah, and it's like, oh, yep, they're all gone. Oh. And there, but there's Dick Van Dyke. He's still alive. Barely. Sean Cassidy. He's still alive. I think. Right? Does anybody even care or no? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was basically it for me. That's I've had a really like a uh, pretty lame comic week as far as that goes. Although, how lame can the Star Wars musical be? I'm surprised to hear you say that there's not much resale value on Mads because it was a couple years ago, but I, I bought a collection. I forget what the hell I bought it for, what was in there that I wanted. But, you know, like like I usually do, uh, I'll buy a big collection, take what I want out of it, and then just try to resell it just to get my it's, money back, if nothing else. The, yeah, get a little recoup on it. Yeah, yeah. And, and there was a ton of Mad magazines in there. And I put them up on eBay, you know, listed them individually and, and tried to be as, uh, you know, as descriptive as, as possible about what was in each of the issues or what. And I remember make a, making a killing on those things. Well, you know, it helps to have a good um, a good run of them, you know, a whole bunch right. of them. Because yeah. it's almost like an instant collection for someone, you know, they can get a whole bunch of them. And these suckers were three bucks a piece, you know. So I, I mean, I bought this for three bucks. I, I looked it up on eBay just to see how I did, and it's like ah, I would get it for about three bucks and have to pay postage. So I did okay, but you know if, and and 
I don't know what year the but you know the sixties and the seventies ones as individual issues didn't seem to be selling at all. Even like the wow. stuff even the stuff that was like early mid sixties that had the really you know that had that look to it, that sixties, seven you know, fifties retro mad look to it that makes them all the neater and stuff that not a lot of those were going when you get back into the early early issues of it right yeah then you, then they definitely then they start like you can yeah. get big bucks for them but if you know but if you have like months and months in a row from the 60s or 70s or stuff that's just a lot more attractive auction to sell than right. if i and if i bought these i would have had to got you know, by the time you figure in all the expenses of gas and eBay expenses and shipping and stuff, and I'd have to get like ten bucks a piece on them for it to be worth it for me in a uh, resale. Yeah, that's true. Or you know, and and the thing about Mad magazines is I'm not. I mean, they were really cool. I really would have liked them, but I know eventually I'll run into those same ones for twenty five cents or fifty cents somewhere. You know. Well, if I'm not mistaken, you know, much like they did with certain comic series, like say, like Star Trek and Spider-Man and stuff, I'm pretty sure that there have been CD-ROM collections out there that have mm-hmm. like all of the the Mad magazines and everything. So maybe that's what helped drive the price down, you know, as far as the resale value on uh, on eBay Mad, or what. Mad magazine themselves made a a CD-ROM. Yeah, right, that's what I'm saying. Is that yeah, there was yeah, there was a like an official one that you could buy, yeah. you know, with like you know the everything, the, yeah, yeah, like the forty fifty year history of the magazine, you know, all on one disc or over a series of discs or something. Yeah, I'm trying like hell to remember what the hell that collection was that I bought that had all those in it. But I remember there being, uh, you know, a lot of them were Star Trek related issues because uh-huh. I remember there were a number of, like Star Trek specials and stuff. So maybe it was a Star Trek collection that i had bought somewhere i I honestly can't remember but i remember there being a lot of star trek parodies and stuff in there but yeah i remember they fetched a decent little price but anyway well i i know that i'm itching for uh for the freaky fives you guys got anything else before we dive into that I guess I'm itching for it this time around because this one was actually, uh, this one was my baby. This was my suggestion. So the Freaky Five for this time around is the top five characters you'd most like to see take a dirt nap and they could never, ever come back. And, uh... Let's see. I, I, I'm I'm very curious what uh, what Mike's got on on his list of the Freaky Five. Who who do you want to kill off, Mike? Well, you know it's funny because when I was coming up with this list, I realized that a lot of the people that I want to kill off have already been dead and brought back. And I <laughs> and I don't know if that counts, but I guess since they're That's, alive, right no, now, no, yeah, you can you can no, yeah, you can kill them if they came back. You get to kill them forever, you know. Uh, it's it's my list. It's my rule. So I want to ask you a question. Does okay. this mean that you wanted to like you didn't want them to ever come back in the first place, or you just want to kill them now that they're back? Uh, that I never wanted them to come back in the first All place. Right. Okay, I think um, you and I have similar lists. Uh, number five, Aunt May. With apologies to Andy Leyland. <laughs> uh, 
who always makes such impassioned. Like you, you listen to him talk about. Does he have the hots for? Is she like no, his no. Mala it's just he, he talks about how integral she is to the to the series, and you listen to him, and because he's British, it sounds official. It sounds like um, it might make sense, but then you start thinking about it, and you realize that he's daft because that's what I, British people are when they're crazy. I. I th- Characters that served a very vital role in Peter's life at a certain point in his life. And if you're going to go beyond that, she's really not necessary to the story. Plus, her original death was so moving and touching that bringing her back, you know, it's like one of those few times where I'm like, wow, they really shouldn't have done that. Um, Because to me, you know, Aunt May, when Peter's living with Aunt May, yeah, she's important because she's, you know, his caregiver to a certain extent, even though he supported her which is kind of weird. But to to a large extent, I think that once he became an, you know, he grew up and moved out, had his own apartment, she was really more of an annoyance than anything else. So killing her, and when I say I want these people to die, it's not, for most of the time, it's not because I hate them. It's just because I think that if the strip is going to progress to a certain point, you need to have these characters gone. Um, Like life. Right. Yeah, kind of. Sometimes, kind of like, yes. Well, you know, I mean, death is a part of life, so people exactly. have to die sometime, you know? Um, number four, and, uh, well, I'm a. I really hate saying this because I had this thought, and then I saw on Facebook that another guy named Andy had the same thought, and I'm like, Jason Todd. And again, because I think his death served such a function in the Batman world. He was Bruce's mistake. Uh,. As much as I love the the pre-crisis on Infinite Earth Jason, especially the issues leading up to him being introduced and, you know, seeing how he became Robin, you know, it was an interesting progression, especially for 80s superhero comics. You hardly ever saw that, especially with Batman and Detective crossing over into each other. After the crisis, a lot of people are like, well, he was a whiny character. Yeah, he was. And yeah, the initial issues that Max Allen Collins wrote where he was in it were kind of like, eh. Um, mediocre at best with some really good Dave Cockrum art. I think that once Jim Starlin started writing the series, that it was kind of interesting having this like kind of cocky asshole Robin uh, who eventually just, you know, yeah, it was a stunt. Yes, it was a big media event. Yes, blah, blah, blah. Death in the Family is still a good story to me. Yep. And um, his death served as, like, you know, Bruce thought that he could just put somebody else in the Robin outfit and it would be like having Dick back, which sounds gross, but still, I think think everybody (laughs) understands what I'm talking about. No, but seriously, you know, he was the one that he's like, God, this kid, he's on a dangerous path, he lost his parents, I'll make him Robin, we'll be partners, and it'll be like, you know, when, you know, I had the original Robin. And it wasn't. And because of that, a kid died. Let, let's strip all away the 900 number and everything else. Batman put a child in danger, and because of that, that child is dead. And that's powerful. That's extremely powerful. I forgot and, all about that 900 number. Yeah. <laughs> How could you forget about that? Good lord. Um, but um, bringing him back, now, having said that, I really liked the Judd Winnick written story that brought him back. Yes. But again, here's something that after that, th- this is going to come up in another 
kind of controversial selection from me. After that happened, what did they do with him? Nothing. He floundered because well, see, I wanted to ask you you know to what to what degree was you know I, I wanted to get the specifics on this because see I saw this on someone else's list and we'll we'll get into that in a little bit but I saw Jason Todd on there and my initial reaction was ah cuz I kind of like that they brought him back but I have to agree with you that they didn't you know after the initial really like awesome factor of there being now there was an evil Robin, you know, for lack of a a better way to put it after that initial shock wore off. And then they just basically, you know, took all his claws away and then just made him just another Robin. Then it was like, okay, well, if you, if that's all you were going to do, then I wish you hadn't bothered. But I I mean, is that how you feel about it? Cause I like the initial resurrection. It's just everything after it sucked. And the animated film was good, too. I really yes. enjoyed uh, Under the Red Hood. There's a commentary. Um, yeah, definitely. But um, but I just think that outside of what... Like, Bruce Jones did some interesting things with him right after Infinite Crisis. Because, if I'm correct on this, the original idea was that Jason Todd was going to become Nightwing because they originally were going to kill Dick Grayson in Infinite Crisis. And Jeff Johns and a bunch of other people were like, whoa, you can't do that. Because according to Jeff Johns, his mom knows who Dick Grayson is. Um, mailman. Um, but uh, but outside of that, I mean, it's just, okay, I haven't read Countdown. So, again, maybe it's just because of the stuff that I've read I didn't really care for and didn't really see a whole big point of bringing him back. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think he's somebody that could use to be kind of offed again. Uh, number three, Barry Allen. And I say this as somebody who just read the recent, the most recent, not the new 52, but the Jeff Johns written 12 issue flash series and really enjoyed it. And this is me going to be doing something that I don't normally do. I am digging in and going, this is not, I like Wally West, and once you bring Barry back, Wally gets put in the corner. And I think that's the main reason I want him to die again. But not in the new 52, because there is no Wally West. But going with the theory that this is a a list in my head and that new 52 never happened, um, Barry is a death that meant something to the DC Universe. I don't think a lot of people see it that way. But Barry did give his life to save the universe, just as Supergirl did. And I recently reread something where Dan DiDio said that Supergirl's death didn't really have much of an impact on the overall story. And I'm like, uh... Wow. What the hell no? story did he read? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was actually my question. <laughs> but um, But Barry's death had a lot of impact. And I think it was... Wally West was the promise... The only time this ever happened, he was the sidekick that became the hero that got to do what a sidekick ostensibly was created to do, which was when they get older, they take over. And, you know, writers like Mark Wade and even Jeff Johns, you know, created such a mythology for Wally that bringing Barry back kind of hurt that. So because of that, I'd like to go into the Wayback Machine, not make New 52 never happen and kill off. Barry Allen. Uh, having said that, 
I've read a couple issues of the new 52 series and it's not bad. Um, number two, Supergirl. Again, this is a character they brought back and then did absolutely nothing with. They had this huge splash with bringing Akara Zor-El back into the continuity in the Superman-Batman um, series. So much that they made an animated film out of it. A pretty good animated film, too, I might add. I rather oh, enjoyed oh, superman I I'm sorry, I'll take, continue. <laughs> I'll take that as a no. Um <laughs> But really and truly, you know, once she was back, there was like a couple years there where that book just made me want to punch somebody in the face because they didn't seem to know what direction to take her in. And then Sterling Gates got his hands on her and did some really neat things. But again, I never really saw what overall purpose she served in the Superman world. It's like major, you know, the, the, the Linda, Danvers Supergirl was kind of cool because she existed on her own. You really didn't need to see her teaming up with Superman. Now she did. And Superman had his, it was really always kind of fascinated me that in the Batman world, all of the bat family sticks together. Like Dick Grayson and Tim Drake and Barbara Gordon and all those characters, you know, they're, they're pretty, you know, when, when, when shit goes down, they're on each other's speed dial and they're there in seconds, but you also get the sense that they were also there last Tuesday at the cookout in the nineties with the Superman family. I always got the sense that these guys were together only when something very big was going down. And that always really struck me as odd because Superman, you would think is the more gregarious of heroes than Batman. Like he would be the one to have a family around him, but no, he's pretty much solitary and all the other characters are solitary until we need you. So, but Supergirl is, is is one of those characters where I guess it's because I didn't grow up in the silver age. I honestly think it, that has a lot to do with it because I never developed the affinity of Superman having his cousin that he would marry if it wasn't against, you know, human laws, (laughs) laws (laughs) of God and man. I'll never forget Scott and I reading that. Oh, my on Tales God. of the Oh, God, that panel was creepy. But, um, but no, Supergirl, I would say, is on that list. And, and, and number one... Number one was a tough one, because, you know, out of all of the characters that I want to die, who is the one that is at the, that is at the top of the list? And I really hate to say this, because, again, I feel like I'm ripping somebody off, but I'm not... Damian Wayne, or Damian Al Ghul, as Andy called him on Facebook. <coughs> and I thought it was kind of interesting that Andy and I had so many of the same characters on our lists. It was just like, that's kind of weird. But um, I have not read a whole lot of Damian as Robin. I have been told by people I trust that it does get better. But my first exposure to him was in Batman and Robin number one, which came out a couple of years ago. And I thought he was obnoxious. In fact, I immediately jumped onto Facebook and said, the last time we all thought a Robin was this obnoxious, we voted to kill him. And this is the one where I'm just like, I want you to die. I want you to die. And again, it's a child, so it's a terrible thing to say, but it's just like, you annoy me. This is the character that I want to die because I just don't like him. 
because every time I see him, he's mouthing off to everybody around him and thinks he can do the job better than that. And I hate that in real life, and I sure as shit hate it when this guy is looking at Dick Grayson and saying, I can do your job better than you just because I, you know, because of this, that, and the other. He's like eight. Dick Grayson has been doing this, you know, like twice as long as this kid's been alive. And, you know, he wants to assume. Now, I'm sure story-wise, and when I finally read those stories, it'll all make sense and stuff. But for right now, Damien needs to go. (laughs) And that's my list. See, what I know about New 52, you could fit into a thimble, but I'm trying to figure out how does Damian Wayne even exist in that new continuity if it's all compressed within like a five-year time frame or whatever, then... You want to know why? You're going to hate it. Um, He was (laughs) acting as Batman before... He was before like the, the, the Justice League came about like a few years mm-hmm. before that in secret. So I guess they can make it work. It doesn't work, by the way. It doesn't work at all. No, um, I, I've been listening to Andy uh, and, and Michael talk about it on their show. And no, it doesn't work at all. So but, um, you know, I want to give Damien the benefit of the doubt, though. I really do. I want to be proven wrong with him. But for right now, I hate the character and everything he stands for. I just, you know, I have absolutely no exposure to the character. I know who he is, but and that's about as far as it goes. I haven't read any of the stories with him or anything like that. But to me, I, it, it annoys me just in the fact that I think it dilutes the story where he was created. You know, the the whichever one of the demon books that was, Bride of the Demon, I think was the mm-hmm. name of that one. That was an excellent story. One of the two of those. And, you know, it, it, it ends. And I never got the impression that that child was ever going to, that Batman was ever going to find out about that kid. You know, that he was ever going to have any connection and that that child was going to grow up more or less with a normal childhood that Bruce Wayne himself never had. And now that they've brought him in to the Batman mythos and everything proper and made him Bruce's actual son and, and a new rock. That the whole idea just uh, does not appeal to me at all. I, I think that that just kind of ruins everything that the original story set up. That was kind of the point of the thing is to not to know. I, I, I forget where I read this or who I heard this from, but there, there, there's been you know chatter out there that it's neat that it's finally the son of Bruce Wayne as Robin. No. And I disagree with that completely. I think the great thing about Batman is because he was an orphan that he would adopt another orphan and that would be his more legitimate son than a son he would have with a mate, basically. Right. It, does that, if that makes any sense, because it, it, it came out really weird and I had a really bad day at work. So not all my <laughs> neurons are firing properly, but to me, the, the great thing about Dick Grayson and the great thing about Jason Todd and the great thing about, Tim Drake, and even to a certain extent, the great thing about Carrie Kelly is that these are all people that to one extent or another had lost a parent or, you know, when, when we're introduced to Tim Drake, his parents are barely speaking to each other and he keeps getting shunted off to boarding school. So right. here's a kid that doesn't have a strong parental link. Now, Chuck Dixon would give him that, but that's after the fact. You know, Jason parents Todd's or Jason Todd's parents are dead. Dick Grayson's parents are dead. Carrie Kelly's parents 
are freaking potheads who ignore her and don't even care that she's not around. I mean, that is that to me is more of a legitimate son or daughter of Batman than anyone that he could have biologically. And that's my list. (laughs) All right. Chris. All right. Well, Michael had a much more noble list than me (laughs) because it didn't even strike me that it would be like, you know, somebody who may have died and come back and, you know, and that sort of cheapened their, you know, that I'm thinking of just people that I hate or that, would, <laughs> you know, that, may, you know, do the Charlie X and make them disappear, too. So that's sort of where my list is, is coming from. You had a couple on you know, the number one on your list. And then number one definitely should be like an assassination, you know, just somebody that you hate. But but the but the rest of them were pretty noble. They, well, except for one which we share. Okay, so my top five. Number five, I got Jughead. Just because somebody has to die in Archie, somebody's got to go. And I want the cover with Archie holding Jughead's lifeless body in his arms, like, like you Price know, with seven. Yeah, 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 exactly. And just like, you know, looking up to the heavens like, why? I've bought an Archie in my life. I'd buy three copies of exactly, that. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So that's number five. Number four is Mr. Mrs. Blitz to conflict of flicks. God, yes. That should have um, been my best. Because that's what's supposed to happen to him. I just want somebody to, like, trick him into saying his name. But just a little different in the way that makes him die, like turn inside out and his guts fall on the ground and you're done with him. You know, you're stuck with a pile of guts and an inside out, something that looks like an inside out baseball mitt. And that's Mr. Mince of Lack of Flicks. I'd buy that in every variant cover. <laughs> I thought you liked his issues in Countdown, though, Scott. I liked his issues in Countdown because Superboy Prime beat the living shit out of him. That's why I like that. <laughs> okay, I'd forgotten about that part. And, and in fact, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why he liked. Yeah, it. could could you hear the passion in Scott's voice when he said "beat the I'm living serious. shit"? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not talking like like a like a typical like Superman fight where somebody gets knocked around and taken to jail. I'm talking like he beat him to within an inch of his life. And it was freaking awesome because I hate that character. He pulled Why the, the hell Loki on him back after Crisis just mystifies me because that character sucks. Sorry for everybody that loves him. I I can't stand Mister Mixes. Mister 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 Twistoflex. All right, uh, number th- number three, right in the middle. Everybody's favorite. Um, Aunt May. <laughs> Not because I thought her original death was so touching. I thought her original death was way too late. Right. Uh, and, and no matter what you say about her, all Aunt May ever really did, as far as I could see, was take Peter's balls and put them in a mason jar to put up somewhere safe. You know, that's basically, she just was like this, like, worrying, you know, like this bird lady thing that was about useless to do. Sometimes she would have her spunky moments, 
But it was just like, Jesus Christ, won't someone just open the window so she'll blow out of it and we can be done with this this torture, <laughs> you know? It was like this little old lady that that um that my my mother's but remember Mr. Duffany? Remember the old lady who used to live at their house and like Oh yes, she, God. Dorothy and like she couldn't like anything that caused anything enjoyable to happen. It, uh, around you was like somehow dangerous to her health so like she could only drink like the plainest of salt free broth and st- stuff like that and it's uh, like at, at that point just fucking give it up man <laughs> if if you're like you know <laughs> I mean seriously <laughs> if it's like all you're left is like alright you know no loud noises you you can have some 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 warm water and maybe you can put a grain of salt in it for flavor, you know, and maybe a noodle or two on your birthday or something. You know, it's just you know, just go in the garage, start up the car, and <laughs> take that long ride God. to nowhere. <laughs> so that <laughs> that's what Aunt, that's what Aunt May brings out in me. Sorry, Andy. I, I feel like I'm picking on Andy because uh, Andy apologized for swearing on the Facebook page because your son was in the same thread. So then I told Andy to watch his fucking mouth. <laughs> and then and then Scotty pops up. He's like, ding, 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 round one, Chris versus Andy. And I'm like, no, I was actually making a potty mouth joke. But now now I'm trashing his favorite Aunt May and, like, dragging her corpse through town. Like, <laughs> Don't right. take your Aunt May. Don't take your corpse to town. This is like the remake <laughs> of the greatest Kenny Rogers song ever. <laughs> <laughs> Wrinkled old face and your ratty old gown. Oh, Aunt May. Don't take your love to town. All right. (laughs) Number two, I'm going to beat up on another woman. Mother Teresa technically had her own comic. She is dead. All right. Well, they better not bring her back then. All right. So let's (laughs) mark this down as a success. (laughs) Check. (laughs) All right. All right, so I think out of all the, the the numerous corpses, mine is the my number two is uh, so far the winner. They could still bring her back. I and I, you know, if you look hard enough, if they brought enough, her back that Hulk battle, I'd I'd <laughs> be down for that though. Yeah, but she better lose and she better stay dead. All right, number one. This one might be controversial. I don't know. I'm wondering. I'm I, actually I'm wondering what both of you are going to think of this. Lex Luthor. Hmm. Go on. What's your, what's I, your reasoning? I think he's sort of been played out in the Superman world and maybe is kind of becomes kind of a crutch in Superman storytelling as as his, you know, arch enemy. You know, it's definitely been a problem in the movies. Uh, yes. Whereas there's too much Lex Luthor, so see, I, I I can't disagree with you because back um, during the the from Crisis to Crisis years, you know when they killed him off, you know when he when he got kryptonite poisoning and he was dying and everything, 
And they did that storyline where he, he gets into one of his own products, you know, one of his own LexCorp planes, zips off to the middle of nowhere and blows up, and then he's presumed dead. Now, I didn't for a minute think he was really dead. Right. Most of the readers didn't. But if he had really died then and there, and that was it, and that's all that we'd ever gotten to Lex Luthor, I was happy with that. I liked the way he went out, and uh, and yeah, and in a lot of ways, I I have to agree with you. I think that uh, that he is kind of a crutch for a lot of the Superman stories. That uh, you know, yeah, maybe it's time for a, a new number one arch enemy and, for right. For and and here is where, I, and actually, with my with my number one, it's the exact opposite of Mike's. Where my number one is, I really don't. It's not that I don't like the character. Or think it's a good char- He's a good character. He's actually probably the best, you know, arch enemy for Superman. You know, somebody, somebody um, who's more, you know, intellect based. You know, schemy. You know, so bra- brains versus brawn sort of thing. Even though I guess technically that would be Brainiac would be even more so I, that I guess. You know, I'd agree with you if he was actually like a villain, lately. Um, uh, I think when they brought him back from Infinite Crisis, he was a bad guy for exactly 30 seconds. And then every other time you saw him, except maybe with one exception, which was his uh, you know brief appearance in Adventure Comics when Jeff Johns and Francis Manipool were writing that uh, Superboy feature. You know, every time you saw him, he was showing up to team up with Superman and help save the day. Like there was some greater threat that he... Uh, that he um, that was in his interest. To... Yeah, it's, it's just like you know, like the Kryptonian show. You know, the General Zod invades, so he helps out Superman. He helps out Superman, and and they you know save the day. New Krypton happens. He's kind of working in the background, and my wife is trying to make me laugh. Um, he's working in the background, and he helps save the day. Blackest Night. He becomes an Orange Lantern. Is in fighting against the bad guy. He kind of saves the day. Now, right there at the end, uh, in the Action Comics arc, Black Ring, he was he was a villain. But he really wasn't facing off against Superman except for, like, Action 900. So I never got the sense that he was, like, a bad guy to DC. And that bugged me because I want a bad guy. Pretty complex backstory, and I can see really why he uh, came. You know why, why he became a villain, and I kind of feel bad for him. But at the end of the day, I also want him to be like you know a bad guy. I don't want him to right. be so relatable that I just it's just like well why why am I not agreeing with him and, and and being against Superman because he makes such a good point. It just bugs me that that's kind of the direction villains have taken. Like the pendulum has swung too far into that direction. Well- it's like the it's like the old days in the sitcom. They always had some character like Dwayne Schneider, who in the beginning of the sitcom would be a really obnoxious kind of character that you weren't supposed to like, but was funny in their obnoxiousness and you know really drove the characters in the sitcom nuts. But as they and you know, Archie Bunker, but as the years went on and they you know they would get character development, they'd soft all the edges would soften up. Right. And you would end up with a more realistic character with shades of gray and stuff, but ultimately a less interesting character mm-hmm. because they were, you know, they they were toned down quite a bit. So, yeah, yeah I'll agree with that. 
So basically, Lex Luthor is just like Dwayne Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> We're the only comics-related podcast that will ever say such a thing. <laughs> I don't know. They might start copying us. They're lining up to to imitate our to to bite off our style. Oh God, help them! <laughs> yep. Well, I'm gonna run down my list here. I'm I'm interested in I I can't wait. I'm hoping this is gonna be a bloodbath. I'm uh, I'm surprised by how many of mine made other people's lists, but then I'm even more surprised by the ones that never got a mention by anybody else. So, all right, at number five, and these are in a very specific order, <laughs> of course. Um, so number five, Barry Allen. For just about every reason that Michael said, but also the fact, and I, I don't know if Mike and I just disagree on this or not, but I think Barry Allen was about as boring as a blank piece of paper. I think he was just an extremely dull and lifeless character that had one great story, and that was the story where he sacrificed himself to save the multiverse. I think that's a great story. It was written by an incredible writer. It was drawn by one of the best talents in comics at the time, George Perez. It was a hell of a good way for that character to go out on top in a heroic style. And why in the hell they ever thought about bringing him back is completely beyond me. He had been dead and gone for 20 years. He'd had a, a natural successor with Wally West. Wally was a hell of a lot better and, and more well-fleshed-out character than Barry ever dreamt of being. So I, I'm completely mystified by the decision that DC had to, to bring Barry Allen back. He had a great send-off. He should have been left dead. Um, number four, Hal Jordan. This one really is a hate. I just can't stand Hal Jordan. He is such a boring boring character he's so just one-dimensional and it's a shame because he doesn't have to be that way but I i've just never read anything with him that where they've done anything interesting with him and made him anything they, they've never explored the potential of that character in, in my opinion anything i've ever read with him he's just so cardboard cut out and again with that character they took him off the table. They replaced him with a much better character. That was one of the reasons I was really irritated when they brought him back. But the other big one for him is that he had a great send-off too, but it was in completely the opposite direction. He went out as an incredible villain. And I really liked the fact that DC was ballsy enough to take one of their top-tier characters and have him fall from grace and have him actually become a bad guy. And it's not that I don't believe in redemption, but at the end of the day, you can't deny the fact that Hal Jordan murdered a ton of people. And then they don't, when they decided that they just had to have him back, they kind of just quietly swept all that under the rug. I still think it's bullshit. I still think it's a really bad idea and a really bad story that I still don't like. I think that uh, Hal Jordan, sh if, if he didn't necessarily stay dead, he at least should have stayed a bad guy. I just don't believe in the redemption of Hal Jordan. Uh, number three, Aunt May. Again, for all the reasons Yay. that... I, I never, ever, 
ever liked Aunt May. I thought she's always just been a stone around Peter Parker's neck. She's a pain in the ass. She's so this podcast is like you, me, and Michael standing around Aunt May stomping her to death. <laughs> like a gang. Maybe that'll be the Crip list. Keeper had it coming. Yeah. She, you know, she just, there's nothing likable about her. She's, she's not like she's this sweet little grandmotherly, you know, doting aunt. She was just, to me, she was always kind of creepy. You know, yeah. there's a lot of stories with Aunt oh, May Peter, where she just put on the lashes. You know, let me give you this enema before you go out today. A clean colon is the secret to health, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and again, but every day, had... Aunt May, every day, Peter. She had one great story, which was the story where she went out, and the way they brought her back was just idiotic just completely idiotic so yeah aunt may definitely what what the hell were they thinking bringing her back all right number two this one i'm sure is going to be very controversial or maybe not maybe maybe chris stole the uh stole the controversial limelight for this episode but uh for a lot of the same reasons that chris sided with lex luther my number two the joker now, uh-huh. is because I've just come to freaking hate the Joker. I'm I, I'm just sick to death of him. I used to really like the Joker. Now I'm just sick to death of him. I think he's nothing but a crutch. I'm tired of seeing him in every damn Batman movie that comes out. He's way overused in the comics. And I know that this is just personal opinion and personal preference, but I don't think they've gotten the Joker right in a long, long, long time. Anything I see lately in the comics or in other media, I just I, I feel like they're missing the mark with the Joker. Uh, I mean, the only really good performance I've seen in a long time, or the really good use of the Joker, is in the the animated stuff by Bruce Timm and, and Paul Dini. And I would love to see the end of the Joker segment from Batman Beyond: The Return of the Joker movie brought oh into. DC continuity because that is a hell of a story and probably the biggest reason why the Joker makes this list for me is because after that story I never needed another Joker story again because that was it was the only way for him to go out exactly and it was a hell of a good story what's the matter Batman no witty comeback no threat then I'll provide the narration. I'll begin with how I peeled back the layers of the boy's mind. Though he bravely tried to fight it at first, You would have been proud to see him so strong. But all too soon, the serums and the shocks took their toll. And the dear lad began to share such secrets with me. Secrets that are mine alone to know, Bruce. It's true, Batsy. I know everything. And kind of like the kid who peeks at his Christmas presents, I must admit... Sadly anticlimactic. 
behind all the sturm and batter rags. You're just a little boy in a play suit crying for mommy and daddy. It'd be funny if it weren't so pathetic. No, what the heck, I'll laugh anyway. <laughs> If you don't like the movie, I've got slides. I'll break you in two. Oh my god, that that whole segment was Joker for lack of a better term, he's like, I'm done fucking around with Batman. Right. Now I'm going to utterly destroy him. And and Barbara says it in the movie. He compromised us. Yep. And that is the way the Joker defeats Batman. Because Batman didn't win. The Joker won. He got killed in that scene. In a really... I mean, and, and which, which version have you seen, Scott? Oh, both of them. I, I, think, I think the one where it's pretty clear that he just put a freaking stake through the Joker's heart yep. <laughs> right there was more effective because that's the holy fuck moment. Like he's dead. This, right. this is, there's no coming back from that. But him but him compromising them, like torturing Tim Drake and turning him into his protege, finding out Batman's identity and just basically utterly destroying him, it's never the same after that. Right. Because he can yeah. never have another Robin even with Batgirl, it's going to be weird. And Batman will go on, but all of the, for lack of a better term, happy-go-lucky adventures, or like like the, hey, we're Batman and Robin and this is awesome, that's done with. Right. Oh, God, that was such an awesome movie. Yep, it really was. And uh, and for me, it just it, it, it put the capper on the Joker for me. It's like, all right, well, you know, it, it, he's, he's over and done. His story's been told. And I, I've just never looked at the character the same way again after that. I just don't think they'll ever do it better. I'll agree uh, with you. Um, it's really interesting that you bring him up because I heard an interview once with Jeff Loeb where in Hush, he wanted to kill the Joker. And his... That many lives should be allowed to live after a certain period of time. Right. And I was like, wow, that's kind of a dark reason, but I'm for it. And he was going to give them, because you can do a new Joker. That was his idea, was that he would give them a new Joker that they could use, but no, this one has to go. So uh, I, I just thought it was interesting that you kind of came came to a similar conclusion as that. Well, you know, to me, it's it, it's it's kind of the opposite of Superman. You know, if you take Lex Luthor off the table for Superman... I think that that would force you, at least theoretically, it seems like it would force you to have to create new and interesting bad guys for Superman because, let's face it, he really doesn't have that great or that exciting of a rogues gallery. I mean, I'm not saying they're all lame, but, you know, the bulk of them are just like, eh, you know, let's let's create some new guys. You know, off the table, you've clearly taken off the top guy. And you're going to have to replace him somehow. Whereas with the Joker, I think that there's this, on the surface, I think it might seem like, all right, he's the top dog. He's the top guy. 
But I think he's very easily taken off the table. I think that there are so many really, really great or or interesting with a potential to be truly great villains in Batman's rogues gallery that you can fill that void very easily with a slew of other characters that just don't get the face time because it's always the damn Joker. And that's a lot of my reason for it, too, is there's so many other villains I'd really just like to see step up, you know, and, and get more time with Batman. And uh, I'm just I'm, I really am done with the Joker. But uh, my number one, this is definitely the one that uh, as soon as I came up with this subject, this is actually the reason why mm-hmm. I, I came up with this subject, because I think I was actually reading a, a run with this character in it at the time. and was just like, why are they doing this? Why is this even happening? And again, this one's probably going to be very controversial as well. And I'm really surprised that this is not on anybody else's list. So I'm, I'm not sure how this one's going to go over. But uh, Bucky Barnes. I, I thought of it. Can't stand, cannot stand the fact that they res- resurrected Bucky. I think that's a horrible thing to have that, for them to have done. I think that's right up there on a par with bringing back Uncle Ben or Gwen Stacy. Bucky Barnes was one of the untouchable dead. He died and he served a purpose. He gave Cap motivation. And, you know, you can make all the arguments you want, but at the end of the day, he was Captain America's motivation. And and I really liked the backstory with Cap and Bucky and the whole World War II thing and the whole defusing the bomb and just everything that involved his backstory. And I've heard some really lame arguments. Oh, we didn't ever really see him die. And, you know, it was only ever told in flight. That doesn't matter to me. It was all part of the story. And it doesn't serve any purpose to bring him back. Unlike Jason Todd, where I felt like bringing Jason Todd back, at least at first, at least potentially, you've got some really great stories to tell there. Hey, he's going to come back and he's the the evil robin he's the robin that could t- potentially kick batman's ass because you know he's well trained blah blah you know there's there's interesting story potential there if you if you're willing to you know if you've got the balls essentially to to run with it and and really stick to your guns that no he's back but he's a bad guy and with the bucky thing i just was like what what the hell purpose does this serve because at the end of the day, I just felt like they not only resurrected him, but then they just pissed all over him. I mean, I'm, I just don't understand why they did it. And I really am mystified by all the fans that, that uh, you know, applauded them for doing it. Because, I don't know, it just it seemed like such a bastardization of that character. It really, to me, it was really a shame. It was really disappointing. Did you not like that- the issues that came after that? I mean, the storyline? Not really. You know, the whole thing with him being Winter Soldier and he had the stupid bionic arm and, you know, they'd only ever taken him out of the few years to go assassinate somebody. I was like, what What the hell? Bucky's an assassin now? You know, I was like, Bucky's like Paladin or something. Where where the hell are they pulling this shit from? And it really irritated me. And the, the only way that it would have worked for me where at the end of the day, I might've gone, okay, I, now I see what they were going for. Now I, all right, this is okay. 
is I really kept expecting that we would get to the end of the story and that this would all come out of like something to do with the cosmic cube, like like the cosmic cube had pulled this out of Cap's mind or something and made it flesh and blood for a time, but it wasn't real. And at the end of the day, the writer would have enough respect for that character to put him right back where he found him. And it didn't play out that way at all. And it, it's very irritating to me. It's like, how dare you? You know, this this is something that that you should not have touched. And if you were going to touch it, then you got to be very careful in the way that you play with it. You know, you play with it like it's a what if story or you play with it like it's a per degaton story where at the end of it, none of it ever really happened. That, then it's OK. But you don't take that character out, piss all over him and then just leave him out there because that that's just it just seems wrong to me. There's certain things in comics that it seemed like we all shook hands and agreed upon this a long time ago that there's certain characters you just don't screw with. And he was one of them. And it just, oh, I can't tell you how irritated it makes me. It, it really, really bugged me that uh, that they did that for seemingly no real reason other than to say, all right, I'm going to do this because, you know, I'm I'm the, the hot shit, you know, new writer artist on the block. So I can do it. And no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that, because there's been a whole long line of hot shit artists and writers before you that respected the, you know, the the caveats of the medium, and they and they didn't do things like that, or if they did, they got called out on the carpet for it. You know, John Byrne brought back Gene Gray, and it pissed a lot of people off. I remember that being a big old stink when that happened. You know, he caught all kinds of hell about that. And I think deservedly so. You know, when when something like that happens, and it and it's there's a natural progression of stories after it, and then somebody just walks right in and you know boldly says, "Well, no, that it's you know they're not a sacred cow. I can do what I want with them." I don't know. I think there should be backlashes against shit like that. But anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Bucky Barnes is my number one. Now. uh I threw out some feelers uh, both on the forum and on uh, Facebook about this subject, and uh, I thought we got some really, really good responses. Now, the first one, way back when, when uh, you know, we're actually at a point now with our Freaky Five that we're actually about a year behind on the forum from when the suggestions were coming out. So this one goes way on back, but when I first threw this idea out there, we got a response from uh, Drunk Oogler on the forum, and he said his number five, or his uh, five were... Um, number five was Sleepwalker, and he says, uh, and he'd have to wear the mask uh, you could make from the cover of that uh, one issue, he says. Um, number four, Cyclops, no need to explain. Three, the ventriloquist, he says, I think he's just a retarded idea for a villain. Uh, I guess he is dead now, but reanimated, needs to stay dead. I got to be honest, I always kind of liked the ventriloquist. I always thought he was. Oh, yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, number two, the Puma or whatever his name is, uh, who is that Spider-Man villain slash friend? Now I thought the Puma was that like orange colored guy that looked like yeah. a cat. Yeah, is the Puma. Spider-Man? I love the Puma. Yeah, is he Spider-Man's friend? I thought he was strictly a Spider-Man villain. He was more of the gray area. Oh, he was okay. like somebody that Spider-Man fought, but it was right. always more of. I'm not doing this because I'm evil. I'm doing this because I'm bored, etc. Oh, uh, okay. See, I don't remember any reading ever reading any stories where they got along. I only remember stories where he was actually the villain. Well, there's all that slash fic on the web. 
Uh, but I think the less <laughs> said about that, the better. Well, he says here, he says, I just remember that I bought a, a lot of Spider-Man comics from the early 90s and Puma was in a, a shitload of them and then most of them really sucked, he says. And number one, Crypto. He says, I mean, come on, think about the character. I'd love to see an issue where he loses it and just starts killing people and has to be taken out. <laughs> <laughs> what the, the issue where we put crypto down because I was he just going to say dogs are, old old yeller crypto style. I was going to say dogs aren't taken out; they're put down. Yeah, put down. Exactly. Yeah. We got a ton of responses to this on the forum here, so let's see what we got. I'm just going to kind of run down the list from Dave Walker. We got Captain Boomerang, who I thought was dead. Is Captain no, Boomerang he's back. Not dead? Oh, all right. Well, that's he was brought back during uh, Brightest Day. Oh, for uh, Blackest Night, sense. I mean. He says, don't know why, but the guy just irritates or annoys me. He says, he says maybe because he killed Tim Drake's dad. Uh, Andy Leyland says, uh, Damien Al Ghul, Jason Todd, and Carnage. You know, I always kind of liked Carnage just a little bit, but of course, I couldn't tell you the last carnage story i read either he probably degenerated in a crap just like venom did you know for all i know says he'll need to think of others gerard delatour says jessica jones now is that um spider woman oh okay. no jessica jones was uh alias alien yeah that was, uh, that's what i was thinking was alias i wonder what he's got against that girl i i liked that book did you read alias i read the first issue where she got punked in the ass <laughs> <laughs> I really feel bad that that's what I took away from that issue. No, I've heard very good things about the series, and I'm looking a, forward to reading it one day. I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, Gerard, you're going to have to write in and tell us what your beef with Jessica Jones is, because I, uh, I liked that series quite a bit. And the, she got punked in the ass. <laughs> I don't, I, now that you say that, I remember that, but I had totally forgotten about that until you said that. It was by uh, Luke Cage, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Gerard also says uh, Squirrel Girl, Deadpool, Carly Cooper? Who the hell is Carly Cooper? Carly Cooper's um character that was dating Peter Parker in Brand New Day. Uh, okay. And Joe Casada. Uh, I don't uh, know. Real yeah. live people in there. <laughs> Alrighty, we got Vargas Pike who wants Jubilee, Robin, Superdog, Betty, and Casper. Casper's already dead. Right, but he didn't stay dead. Uh. All right, you read the next one, Chris. All right. Oh, God, Josh Baker. Oh, great. You give me Josh Baker's. <laughs> All right. So his number five is Wolverine. And, uh, yeah, he doesn't like Wolverine. The symbiote. Another is it? This is a second symbiote. Right. Um, it says Venom's one thing, but Carnage, Anti-Venom, Toxic with three X's. Really? That's how they spelled Toxic? I guess. Uh, and the new Venom, come on, it loses what made it special when they keep handing it out freely. The new 52, kill it, kill it with fire. Is that a character or is that like... That's the whole damn that's, universe. That's I, a whole <laughs> universe. So basically he's saying, like, whatever, the god of the new 52, take out the whole universe, nuke it. Richie Rich. I know the argument can be made that he already died and came back as Casper the Friendly Ghost, but the spoiled little shit needs to be taken down a peg or two. <laughs> All right, I hear that. Maybe, maybe like, maybe it should be Cadbury who does it too. Puts the <laughs> assassinates him, you know, mafia style. And number one, a very familiar Hal Jordan. This may piss a lot of people off. Well, apparently not. <laughs> 
But this guy had his day twice. He died a hero's death back in the 90s after he went loco. Don't take that away from him just because Jeff Johns has a hard on for him. Ooh. <laughs> from, oh Chris, from Christopher J. Warden. He says, uh, Josh and I have similar lists. He says, number five, Wildstorm Universe. He says, get it the hell out of my DC Comics. Number five, you know Al said? Jordan. Huh? Is that what he said? Ah, uh, well, not, close enough. <laughs> You're paraphrasing, yes. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. Number three, Barry Allen. Well, I, I like how he thinks. This is number two, the new 52 Superboy. And number one, the new 52 Shazam. Not a lot of love for the new 52, and I'm, I'm actually <laughs> really happy to see that. Uh, Jan Ruman Pakula has Colossus. He died once, saw no need to bring him back. Aunt May, do I even need to explain? No. <laughs> Professor X, his legacy should be enough. That's an the interesting son... one. That is an interesting one. You're right. Um, the son of Nick Fury. I really hate it when comic book characters need to look like their movie counterpart. And Captain America's new uniform. Again, see the last point. It looks like the one from the Avengers movie. What was wrong with the classic look? I think I'm missing something with the Son of Nick Fury one. Is there really a Son of Nick Fury? Yeah, they brought in a Son of Nick Fury that looks like Samuel L. Jackson. Wait, a Son of the White Nick Fury? Yeah. That looks like Sam Jackson? Yeah. Okay. All right. It can happen. Wait, 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 wait. Does it happen let me, very let me give often? Give the Scott but... impression here. How the hell does that work? <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good impression, actually. <laughs> oh, I mean, I know that you know that. Yeah, I know how that works. It's just okay. Why? What? What? What the hell was the need for that exactly? Maybe there were just too many people like your wife, Mike. Just go looking at old Nick Fury, going, "Why is he a white guy?" <laughs> Or not? It was no. I was I was laughing. It was one of those moments where I'm like, "Wow, I guess certain people would actually feel that way, wouldn't they?" See, I I listen. I like that story when you told that, so I got a kick out of that. I so listen I think to I... stories. <laughs> <laughs> Who's reading the next one? I got it. It's uh, our old buddy William Sanchez. Number one, Hal Jordan. <laughs> Number two, Barry Allen. Number three, Oliver Queen. Isn't wasn't he an actor? Um, Isn't that like Freddie Mercury or something? I don't know. <laughs> no. And uh, number four, Carly Cooper. Isn't that like Alice Cooper's daughter? <laughs> and number five, Aunt May. Aunt May. See, I'm wondering. We should have kept a tally. I'm wondering who has the most votes at this point. Oh, it's Aunt May, Barry Aunt Allen, May. And, a, and, and Hal line. Jordan. <laughs> All right. Let's see who we got here. Ha! Huh. I know your this own kid. son. My own son, Scotty Gardner. He's got in reverse order. He's got number five, Mysterio. He's way overused, and I'm so tired of fighting him as one of the final bosses in every Spider-Man game. Number four, the Toad. I, uh, I'd be just ha- uh, I'd just be happy if he disappeared or was thrown into the sun by the Hulk instead of Superman. Number three, the Sandman. See, he's so overused. Uh, you would think. Spider-Man would carry uh, around a spray bottle for those unfortunate encounters. See, I like the Sandman, though. I'm surprised to see that on his list. Number two, Poison Ivy. Ground him. No no fun anymore. (laughs) And number one, Crazy Quilt. Uh, He's like a lot of Batman villains. Punch them once, throw them in jail. Uh, But who would be stupid enough to work for a blind guy who likes to play with his bed sheets? (laughs) Go pick on the cripple. 
Um, Darren Steves, okay, here's my five. Number five, Changeling, DC. I've always hated that character. He's Beast Boy now. Four, Jimmy Olsen, because you have to at least one redhead character take the fall. <laughs> Three, Cyclops. As much as I love him, it's time for him to die. Two, Stiltman, because he's stupid. And number oh. one, Aunt May. Kill her, bring her back as a zombie, kill her again with a shotgun. Her time has come. <laughs> I like that line, her time has come. Yes. I like that Yes, one. her time has come. See, I thought Stiltman was dead. I thought Stiltman was Aunt May. <laughs> there was a stilt woman there for a couple minutes. Oh, God. I like this next one. I think this one's very interesting. This is from Caleb Girardi. He says, Alfred Pennyworth, Lois Lane, uh, Aunt May Parker, Foggy Nelson, and Ben Grimm. Says, I, th- uh, I think these are five. Uh, I think these five are touch points to uh, quote unquote reality for many of the heroes of today and would be crippling at first, and their continued absence would provide strong future stories for their respective heroes or teams. It's an interesting yeah, I could see that. idea, yeah, to take out kind of some of these linchpin characters in the, uh, the uh, supporting casts of some big characters, you know, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, the FF. Yeah, it, it's an interesting idea. I don't know. I'm I'm with it. I like it. Do we want to keep going on this? Oh, I I, I was wait, I I thought it was Chris's turn. Um, Is it my turn? Wake up! I'm trying to figure out where I was. All right, the next one's Clark Trent, which I think is a fake name. <laughs> uh, he might recommend Kingpin, not because he's an annoying character, because most Daredevil writers need to get off Frank Miller's nuts already. That was sort of like the same reason <laughs> I was saying kill Luther. Yep. Yeah, and I could see that. T- I could totally see that. All righty. Um, Thomas Oswald says Norman Osborn because he was dead when I got into comics. Uh, in the 80s, heck, by 76, I think he was gone. And here he comes back at a pointless moment, and now continuity has been sent to a t- tailspin of WTF. I disagree with that, but... Um, two, Hal Jordan, and I'd write it where it was North that did it as a yellow lantern. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, Spider-Man, because, you know, what the fuck? He did what? And he can't get drunk? Uh, anyway... Peter is to to me is Mayday's uh, pop. Everything other than Spider Girl comics does not exist to me. Uh, number four, Bruce Wayne, just to do it while he's Batman. Five, the Trapster. He's a his weapon's a what? He's a threat because he has a glue gun. It's like the FF are getting attacked by a first grade art project. <laughs> I love this shit. Oh, let's see here. What else do we got? I think Tom Panarese is next. Tom Panarese, he says, this is hard because uh, they killed off Danny Chase and Terry Long years ago. But here's a few. (laughs) This is number one, Superboy Prime. Way to take a halfway decent idea for a villain and turn it into the most irritating thing of all time. Two, Hal Jordan. I'm with everyone else on this. Jason Todd, I don't care how big my phone bill is going to be this time. Let's do this. Says I can't think of anyone else other than Dan DiDio. Ooh, don't throw the real people out there. Yeah, I I'm a little uncomfortable with that actually. <laughs> don't those those guys are technically they probably all have little appearances in comics anyway. So 
Let's um, see. Bandadio has been in the comics. That's very true. Oh, no, I was going to say there's only one more, but I've found two more lists. There's a lot of just little bickering going on here. Oh, yeah. But then the then uh, the next one I see is David Pascarella, who's Yay! got number one. Oh, look who it is, Aunt May Parker. <laughs> oh, number two, Damian Wayne. Number three, Jason Todd. Um, Number four, Hank Henshaw. Who's Hank Henshaw? A cyborg Superman. Cyborg Superman. Oh, okay, good. Die. Uh, number five, <laughs> Oliver Queen. Isn't that the guy who writes those mystery novels? Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. That's what I thought. Chris Tyler has our final list. My five to kill. Ah. Aunt May. She's old as fuck and Peter's in his 30s now. Yes. Archie Andrews. Friggin' prick one on, pick one already. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Good. <laughs> Gambit. Hate this lame-ass Wolverine-type wannabe. Okay, I'm going to time out Chris there. Wolver- Gambit was never a Wolverine wannabe. Gambit is as much of a Wolverine wannabe as I am a Freddie Mercury wannabe. So you, you look kind of like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> Before the braces, you might be onto something there. Cyclops, because he is, was, and always will be the most boring X character ever. And lastly, all 52 of the new 52. <laughs> <laughs> I loved this Freaky Five. I really did. This one was awesome. It was a good one. <laughs> coincidentally enough it was your idea <laughs> well next time around and i'm surprised i didn't see him ring in anywhere on this uh on this thing on facebook here so maybe he just didn't see it in time but our next freaky five is from fanboy prime he says i've got a top five i really want to see he says top five stories or issues where heroes fight villains they don't usually fight or or it has been very rare and he cites a couple examples like uh thor versus the juggernaut or cable versus the psycho man that sort of thing so it doesn't have to be marvel but those are the two i thought of off the top of my head so next That's... time around top five heroes fighting villains they don't usually tussle with i that like one... that idea that one's going to be very, very, very hard for me because I don't know enough to know if they fight these guys all the time or not. <laughs> so I'm going to have to do some research for this one. Oh, oh he's going to have to do some homework. I bet he's going to have to read a, some comics and stuff. Uh, give me a second, guys. I'm going to look for some tissues. <laughs> well, you know, I, do. Just... I need some to mop up my issues. It just so happens that we have a segment of this very show where we're trying to bone you up on some comic books. I don't like the idea. Him? Yeah, I don't like the idea of you and Michael trying to bone me up. So let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's just change. Cha- just keep your meat hooks off. Let's let's just change tracks here, fellas. My meat hooks are hot. My milkshake <laughs> brings all the boys in the yard. <laughs> No, it doesn't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, man. I'd apologize for bursting your bubble, but I don't give a shit. Guys, <laughs> your bubble needed to be bursted on that one. Guys, yeah, guys' milkshakes are not like girls' milkshakes. They do not bring all the boys to the yard. And if they did, you might not. that might not be the most positive thing, as <laughs> is the implication in the in the song. <laughs> 
Yeah, okay, wait, I'm engaging too much of my brain for this next segment. I've got to start turning it <laughs> off here. Da, 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 da. Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic. Comic, comic, So, yes, now we come once again to the make Chris read a goddamn comic book. All right. <clears throat> this month, my assignment is Emerald Dawn. For those people who don't know who it is, it is a story about the Green Lantern and who you would know who who that is because he had a hit movie recently starring Dane Cook. This comic starts off with a young Hal Jordan watching his test pilot dad crash and burn up, which makes him into a drunk, surly, douchey grown-up. After a night of sitting around with his friends and family insulting each other and being reminded that his girlfriend is now dorking some guy named Biff, he, he almost drunk drives into a sign and rolls the jeep, paralyzing his best buddy Andy. Hal goes back to work the next day in a flight simulator which mysteriously flies through the wall and off to a spaceship where a Professor X head tells him to go inside and it turns out to be a red guy who tells him he is going to get his magic ring when he dies in a minute. Hal is a little freaked out but decides it's cool to fly and then gets sulky when he finds out he paralyzed his pal. Then we find out a big yellow punching machine is pissed off at, at the dead Green Lantern and he is coming to Earth to finish off the Green Lantern that is Hal. Now Hal feels bad for being a drunk and turns himself in for his DWI, but Molten Gold Guy smashes up the jail looking for the Green Lantern. Hal gets his ring on, but Globman, who calls himself Legion, chokes him out when the ring runs out of gas, and he is too dumb to figure out that Hal and the Green Lantern are the same person. So he flies off and smashes Hal's work, and he smashes Hal's hospital where his friend is, killing him. Hal feels sorry for himself again, but the ring sends him to meet a goofy-looking alien with a beak who takes him to a green nin- to get green ninja training on their green lantern planet called Way. <laughs> he gets some badass training from a drill sergeant type named Kilowog just in time for Legion to show up and start offing lanterns. He's pissed at the lanterns little blue Keebler elf leaders who call themselves the Guardians because they put their planet on lockdown. And Hal whoops Legion by getting him muddy because Green Lanterns can't hurt yellow stuff, which is stupid because then they can get beat up by Pikachus and Simpsons characters. (laughs) But Legion becomes a gooey... But Legion becomes a gooey hate slime creature which starts to envelop the planet. The Guardians are about to just say fuck it and turn tail when Hal flies into the super-sized lantern and does a Superman funnel to suck up the goo into space. Then he goes back to Earth to go to jail. 
When he gets out, he gets his job back, becomes a test pilot, and crashes his plane, just like his dad, but uses his ring to walk out alive, thus showing us that he is still a douche. The end. <laughs> I'm impressed with that one. <laughs> Thank you. Now, the big question. What did you think of it? I, in the first five pages, I really thought I, I really, really thought I was going to hate its guts, to tell you the truth. I didn't like how it was written. I didn't like any of the characters when they're all sitting around the table just like, fuck. I'm, I, when I, first, I was having a hard time just figuring out who everybody, because I don't know much about Green Lantern or whatever. I saw the movie. But, uh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm trying to figure out who all the people are and what their relationship is. And it wasn't making much sense. All I could figure out is I didn't like any of them because they were all just taking snipes at each other and, like, uh, taking snipes at the dead test pilot dad and all that. And I was just like, ah, I don't know if this is very good. But by the end of the first issue, I was hooked in and, uh, I just started liking it more and more as it went along. I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the art. Um, moves along. Um, it's, it's, it was just a good, fun superhero comic. Not too many, um, I, I gotta admit, I see why a lot of people want to kill Hal Jordan, because he's not much of a character. He's just like, I could see what they're trying to do with his character, but he just comes off as a douche. You know, the whole thing of, he crashes a plane and then comes walking out of the fire. It's like, you know how much those goddamn planes cost? <laughs> you know? And, 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 and that's kind of rude to his dad, you know? It's, it's, is that like a tribute to his dad? Hey, look, Dad, I can crash a plane, but guess what? <laughs> I walk out of it. <laughs> you know, no wonder they got Dane Cook to play him in the movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See, I fucking hate Dane Cook. And I kind of like Ryan Reynolds, so I feel like I should defend Ryan Reynolds. Um, <laughs> the main reason I, I chose this one for you to read is I really wanted to get your take on it because this this is a, a version of the Hal Jordan origin that has really fallen out of favor. Um, a lot of professionals have spoken out against it, for lack of a better term. And I think that while... You know, the story isn't perfect. And there is something to be said about, you know, wow, Hal's, you know, you know, was a drunk driver and, you know, nearly killed somebody. At the same time, I thought it brought it made the character for me interesting. And it was like the first time when I was reading this series back when I was a teenager and then again in my 20s where I was like, wow, I really like this Hal Jordan. And the and I, and I would recommend at some point reading like the first nine issues of the ongoing that this spun into basically because Gerard Jones did a lot of really neat things with uh, Green Lantern in the first 25 issues of his run. It kind of petered out after that. But between uh, this, the first 25 issues and Emerald Dawn 2 – it was a really great time period for Green Lantern, enough to where they gave, they had like a couple different series going on. Guy Gardner got his own series. John Stewart got his own series. And Chris, you would love Mosaic. You would absolutely love Green Lantern Mosaic. I'm Is telling you this right. Is a series or a character? It's a, a it's a series. Basically, during the first storyline of uh, the Green Lantern ongoing the guardian of the universe that palled around with Hal Jordan and Oliver Queen during the hard traveling heroes days goes bat 
shit crazy and starts taking cities from different planets and putting them on Oa. So the conceit of Mosaic is that Jon Stewart has to basically keep the peace between all these alien cities because they can't put them back. Oh, that's a neat idea. I think you'd like it. But I love I love uh, Emerald Dawn. I like the writing, and I really like M.D. Bright's art. I thought yes. he had a great take on Green Lantern. It reminded me a lot of... Um of um John Byrne in places especially his lips when he would have somebody like sort of like pursing their lip or like doing the stiff upper lip it was very John Byrne like in the faces What about you Scott? I was trying to remember if I had ever read this before and I it feels like I have but I think it's just that I I've read other versions of this, or maybe I read the second one, the Emerald Dawn 2. I'm not sure, but I, I know that I don't have the actual comics for this in my collection, so I don't know when I would have read it, but there were definitely a lot of beats of the story that that seemed very reminiscent to me. Um, but I, I didn't get a chance before the show to, to really sit down and you know actually read it you know, panel per panel and, and really pour over it the way I would have, would have liked to. I mean, it definitely looks interesting and I love, um, Bright's art. You know, he was one of those artists that, uh, I never, I, I never felt like he really got his due. You know what I mean? Cause he, he really looked like every time I would see him on a new project, he just looked like his art just got better and better all the time. This to me actually looks a lot like, uh, like Neil Adams, you know, like he, he's really trying to, uh, or maybe not consciously trying to be in uh, another Neil Adams, but I, I see a lot of, uh, a lot of nods to Adams, you know, and Adams kind of style in this, but, uh, I like his stuff a lot. I liked his work on, um, on Iron Man quite a bit too. It's just this character, you know, I, I like everything about, this origin tale and the characters that are involved and, and the scenarios and everything except the hero himself. And I, that's got to be really weird. It's got to be the only time that's ever really happened to me where I, I like everything about the story except the main character. You know, I just don't like Hal Jordan. And, and it's not like he doesn't have potential. I think if they had just worked differently on him to make him more likable as this test pilot character, because I mean, there's definitely real life test pilot people that I look at as, as, you know, real life heroes, you know, like, uh, you know, like Chuck Yeager and, and a lot of the early astronaut, a lot of the Apollo guys, but this, I, I got to side with Chris. He's just douchey. Well, the thing, the thing is it's, it's okay to have like, okay, you know, you don't, you could have a test pilot character who's sort of like the a caricature stereotype who's like the gosh gee whiz all American Boy Scout character, or Chuck Yeager like you know the boy the gritty, tough right. guy Boy Scout, but you know okay so they they don't they want to make him a little more realistic he's got demons he's got problems and stuff, but he just doesn't there's just really not much redeeming about him. Mm-hmm. There's really not much, you know, you know, okay, so I mean, I understand okay, he's a he's a drunk driver 
and the, and I like that it humanizes that that it's like he's not a monster. He's just got you know he's got his problem with drinking and you know he's he's not a monster. He's just kind of a douche. But you know a lot of times guys like you know you don't see a charming side to him. You don't see it. You know I mean you sort of see a he does heroic things, but it doesn't have that that you know resonance of like. He's, to he's him. that it means something to him, or that he's doing it because he real, you know, he's had some sort of epiphany where it's like, right. okay, now it's not time to just think about Hal Jordan. Although he's not, a, a, he's not really especially a selfish character. He's just kind of jerky and mopey and self-involved, and you know, like. You know, when he when he tells the guy, you know, I'm responsible for my friend's death because if I hadn't gotten that accident, he wouldn't have been in the hospital, and then and then he wouldn't have gotten crushed by, Le- you know, destroyed by Legion. And it's like, well, you know, also if you, uh, you know, really the reason he got destroyed by Legion is because you inherited the Green Arrow cloak and he was following your, you know, everywhere you went and just smashing up everything to. to to lure you out but you know he's so self-involved that it's all it's all his fault you know and then and then he gets mopey about it and that's like sort of i think a lazy writing way to make your character deep or or in or you know interesting or multi-leveled or something but he's not really multi-leveled he's just a big just sort of feel sorry for himself machine that you know, he he's definitely loathes himself, and then everybody and everybody around him doesn't like him. Nobody likes him. You know, and like he you, you see that he actually got to date a girl once, but it was only briefly before she like walked away. And usually, you know, when you date a girl like that, they usually don't hang around you anymore. But this one comes back to just tell him what an asshole he is, sort of consistently <laughs> through the whole the the series. You know. She shows up in his hotel room and, like, shakes her head at it. Everybody just, you know, the nurse is just like, you're not going to get any sympathy from me, drunk driver. You know, it was. it's just the only place, it's the only place he sort of gets acceptance is as a green arrow, or green arrow, as a green lantern, because... I keep thinking you're saying that on purpose, just to No, be funny, no, it's, it's brain farts, and, and um, you know, so they're, they're friendly to him but then again they're kind of stuck with him because i get the impression that they can't they don't really choose who's going to be a green lantern it's the the rings that choose and so you know they teach him to be a hero and stuff but granted when you go to um when you when you go to their home planet to train you're probably on your best behavior because you're like hey i can fly and beat things up so you're all into the ninja training and stuff so he doesn't act very douchey once he gets there. He whines a little bit, but it, it, it makes it sound like I'm complaining about it. But I actually like, you know, at the end of every issue of this, I was like, whoa, that's that went by really fast. And then I was, you know, flipping right into the next one, you know, and, and looking forward to it. So I, I, I totally enjoyed it. So it says something and I sort of get the same impression from what scott was saying that you know 
you don't have to necessarily like Hal Jordan to like these to enjoy these comics. It's very strange. It was a successful. I, I'm interested in reading Emerald Dawn too now. And uh, I, I, yeah, exactly. I could care less if Hal Jordan dies in a in a house fire, but <laughs> I enjoy his comics. It's really weird. I'm trying to think of a celebrity that's like that, but I can't really think of one that. Well, what I, celebrities you want to see die in a fire? I vote well, Dane Cook. Well, Dane Cook, yeah, but he doesn't really entertain me. Anything Dane Cook does usually doesn't like. You know, I, I can't be like, ah, I hate Dane Cook, but I'll watch every movie he's been in. Has been pretty good though. No, it's I, I'm, you shut your mouth. I'm thinking maybe it's the way people think of, like, Regis Philbin or something. You know, they watch that morning show and they're like, oh, yeah, if I was in a room with him, I'd put knives in each of his eyes. But, you know, he entertains. He, he seems like such a show. nice guy on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In a not at all kind of way. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of, um,. I'm kind of waiting to see when I'm going to get my next X-Force assignment, you know, of something that, that I don't end up, like, kind of liking. <laughs> I, I'm sure I, the thing is, there's, there, you know, I, I maybe I shouldn't, I should be careful what I ask for because, I mean, there's literally probably thousands of 90s titles that people could throw at me that would not be enjoyable to read <laughs> I've seen shit that'll turn you white <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I don't know what did did he uh, Scott has it but Mike have you read Emerald Dawn 2 is that oh is yes. that worth reading yes. is it good I liked it quite a bit it uh it actually plays out him serving his 90 days in prison oh but the hitch is is that well Sinestro's come to town to train him. So, and we find out, you know, Sinestro's backstory and his, you know, how what he's done on his home planet. And it's, it's more of a... It's basically like you're being trained by a corrupt police officer. You're new to the force. What do you do about it? Oh, right. so it's like training day or something like that. Yeah, I, I would say it has a similar vibe to that, yeah. And uh, one more neat Mark Bright artwork, and he brings Guy Gardner into it as a Hal's social worker, basically. And that I thought was really neat. So it had a lot to it that I liked. Now, Guy Guy Gardner is another character that isn't very popular, at least according to to uh, our buddy Joe Anthrax or Sean Engel, who does a Guy Gardner podcast. And he's always saying, you know, I don't expect a lot of people to listen because most people hate him. But Guy Gardner didn't. Did he even make any of those lists? No, no, of, not of, a single one. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that for, by the way I've heard people talk about how unpopular that character is, you would think he would have been all over that list. But maybe not. Maybe he's not so unpopular. I don't know. I never met the guy. <laughs> well, but I've heard terrible things. I think it's 
technically, I think it's my choice, but I, I've been thinking about this all day, but I just didn't come up with anything. So uh, we'll uh, we'll mull it around. We'll come up with something for next time, or you can pick something from what's already been thrown up on the forum. We've had about a million and a half. Well, I was just gonna say I should probably do that because there's so many of them. Sure. Yeah. And Fanboy and Miss Prime, who we're doing the top five for next month, I, I, I'll, I'll be on Facebook and, uh, you know, he'll pop on and we'll IM and back and forth. I've gotten about, oh, roughly eight to 10,000 suggestions of <laughs> read a goddamn superhero. Every time I see him, he's got a new, new one. He's like, do this. And I'm like, you got, you got to write these all down. Right. <laughs> send them to me on something because I'm not going to remember this 10 minutes from now. <laughs> I am old and stoned. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, Tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com 2 True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite 2 True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks.
And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids. Good night. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.